Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to the Slam and Jam here on Friday on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. With me, as always, is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, tell me what happened in the NBA this week. Well, Andrew, the NBA is back, and it all began on Tuesday in the Mile High City, where the Denver Nuggets received their championship rings and began their title defense with a 119-107 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, in the lead-up to the game, the Lakers had made it known that they'd heard all the off-season noise from Denver and couldn't wait to see the Nuggets again. Unfortunately for the Lakers, the Nuggets look a lot like the team that beat L.A. four straight times in last year's playoffs, with Nikola Jokic dropping a casual 29-13-11 in the victory. On Wednesday... NBA fans who had waited months to see the start of a new season were rewarded with more games they could ever hope to watch or even follow. 12 (laughs) games in total. In Brooklyn, we had a matchup of two megawatt stars, Max Struess and Cam Thomas, who combined for 63 points, including seven threes from Struess and 36 points from Thomas, which was a record for most points by a reserve in a season opener. In the end, however, it was the real star, Donovan Mitchell, who scored 10 of his 27 in the fourth quarter, including the go-ahead three to give the Cavs the 114-113 win. In New York, it was a homecoming of sorts for Chris Stapp's Porzingis, a homecoming where your family boos you and starts F.U. chants when you walk in the door. Porzingis was unfazed in his Celtics debut, however, scoring 30-8 and and helping the Celtics to a 108-104 victory over the Knicks. And in Orlando, the score was 67 Magic, 64 Rockets, with five minutes left in the third quarter. From that point on, Orlando would outscore Houston 49-22 to get the 30-point win, 116-86. Cole Anthony led all scores with 20 points. We also saw the return of Jonathan Isaac, who looked pretty healthy in his 14 minutes. And for the Rockets and new head coach Ime Udoka, not exactly the opening game you're looking for in year four of a rebuild. On Thursday, we had two great matchups. First in Milwaukee, it was Dame time. In his first game with the Bucs, Damian Lillard put up 39 points, including 14 straight in the fourth quarter, to push the Bucs past the Sixers 118-117. The Sixers, who are without James Harden, looked pretty good. Fun even, feel good, easy to root for. What feels so different about these new Sixers? (laughs) <laughs> Tyrese Maxey put up a dominant performance in the loss, going for 31-4-8. Kelly Oubre, a.k.a. Tsunami Poppy, scored 27. Oh, Will the good vibes continue? Of course not. It's the Sixers. The league is already investigating why the Sixers rested James Harden in Game 1. Harden appears to be on a path to return to the court for the Sixers, a team he once upon a time said he would never play for again, and there is no news on any potential Harden trade. In the second game, the Phoenix Suns, who are already without Devin Booker and Bradley Beal in Game 2 of the season, almost pulled out an impressive win in L.A., losing 195 to the Lakers. Kevin Durant did his part, scoring 39 in the game, but it was the king, LeBron James, age 38, year 21, 
who came up big in the fourth quarter, scoring 10 of his 21, including two consecutive layups in the final two minutes to help the Lakers pull away. Andrew, it's great to have the NBA back, and what a week it was. What a week it was indeed. And, you know, we we prepare all this time. We think all offseason. We have the draft. We have free agency. All these things are coming together, and in our brains – We feel like we know exactly what's going to happen. We know exactly what these teams are going to look like. And then we get one night of basketball. And then maybe does it change everything that we think about these teams, Al? I don't know. So we're going to go through five different ideas. Yeah. Are we going to stay locked into these ideas or are we going to pump the brakes a bit? Yeah, it's... uh... You know, it, you can say it's an overreaction, but on the other hand, we know we're not going to go 100% with our preseason takes. So maybe yeah. it's actually smart to already start rethinking our takes after one <laughs> we're game. We're just self-reflective is all we are. That's all. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we came up with five takes that you and I both generally agreed upon in the preseason. Yeah. Maybe not mm-hmm. like exactly, but pretty close. And we're just going to go through them and see if uh, we're already starting to rethink things or if we're going to double down. And we're going to start with Dallas as a team relying too heavily on a rookie center. Now, this was one of my main concerns about the Mavs in the offseason was just how much they were asking of Derek Lively as a rookie center. Yeah. It mm-hmm. felt like so much of the defensive ceiling of this team was resting on his shoulders And given his time at Duke, it was unclear how much he was going to contribute offensively out of the gate. I mean, it took him, you know, half the season at Duke to really start looking like that lottery prospect. Well, as it turns out, uh, one of his teammates at Duke was not Luka Doncic, and uh, that really (laughs) helps. So we get to game one against the Spurs. It's Wimby's debut. And surprisingly, Derek Lively, he doesn't start, despite starting all four preseason games. A little bit of a surprise. He does end up playing 12 minutes in that first half, and then he starts the second half, ends up playing 31 minutes, finishes with 16 and 10 on 7 of 8 shooting, game high plus 20. Now, listen, with all these takes, Andrew, it's one game, but the reason I think I might be rethinking my feelings about the Mavs is just how good he looked, specifically in his offensive role. Like yeah. the putbacks, the lobs, the instant chemistry with Luca, just being able to go up and get anything Luca threw up there. The overall energy he brought to the court for the Dallas Mavericks in game one, he looked like a fully formed version of the player Dallas wants and needs him to be offensively in game one. And so I'm looking at that and I'm starting to rethink the Mavs a little bit because if I'm not expecting Derek Lively to average 16 and 10. But if he can be just a solid NBA player, which I kind of already am feeling kind of confident about, maybe I need to be a little bit higher on the Mavs. Because in the preseason, you know, the Western Conference is so tough to predict. And you got to choose some teams to be bad, either falling out of the play altogether or ending up at 9 and 10. And I had kind of just always defaulted to the Mavs just because I didn't like what I saw from Luka and Kyrie last year. I had big concerns about the defense, which wasn't really good last year. They're bringing in some new pieces that I like, but I just didn't know how it all come together. And at least for that one night, it looked really good. And, and the piece that I was kind of most concerned about, how much can Derek Lively give right off the bat, it looked pretty good, Andrew. Yeah, and, and they really needed him to step up. Dwight Powell was out with an illness. Uh, they're just going to refuse to play Rashawn Holmes, I guess. <laughs> it was just, I don't I really know what's going on there, to be honest. He was so but good they, once upon a time. I know. I thought so, too. And he, I mean, you know, Derek Lively's stepped in and played the role that they needed him to play. Now, there's also an element of how prepared were the San Antonio Spurs for Derek Lively the second. Oh, probably okay. not. Probably not super prepared. There's not a real scouting report on a lot of rookies through the first few weeks of the season. It, when there's a scouting report on him, I want to see what it looks like. You know, so, so you're not that, so you're not rethinking yet. I'm not rethinking it yet. I think okay. he had a great okay. debut. I think he's going to be a good pro. Is he going to make this impact on a nightly basis? I want to wait and see before I'm saying I feel really good about it. They're still going to play a lot of Dwight Powell when it comes down to it. They'll play Maxi Kleba. They'll play Grant Williams. Like those three bigs are going to play a lot. Derek Jones Jr. is going to play. They're going to play those guys a lot. 
and I want to see what it looks like when Dwight Powell is healthy and they have like more of a solid rotation in there. They needed Derek Lively the second in this game against the Spurs, and he showed up in a big way. Do they rely on him still when Dwight Powell is in the mix? I want to know. I think they should because he's the future, and you need young players to develop alongside Luka. So I really think they should. But I also want to see when all those guys are available, what are they doing? Because I, I think that maybe Derek Jones Jr. goes to the bench and they kind of play jumbo lineup, but it's probably like Kleba going to the bench. And then Dwight Powell starting. And then if Dwight, you know, Kleba's coming off the bench, does that mean how many minutes for Derek Lively? I just want to see what it looks like when they're all there. Okay. Fair enough, Andrew. Uh, so what is take number two? Take number two. The Detroit Pistons as a lock to be a bottom three team. And I I honest, honestly thought, man, this is going great. Bogdanovich is out. Monte Morris is out. They need both those guys to kind of help elevate the team. And maybe that's not right. Maybe things are going to be a little bit different for Detroit, mostly because of Cade Cunningham, who looked like a star in night one. I was so impressed with Cade's ability to get kind of whatever shot that he wanted against the the Miami Heat, which there's a difference between regular season Miami Heat and postseason Miami Heat. And I'm yes. I think that we need to realize this that the Miami Heat were one of the most unwatchable teams and had one of the most unwatchable offenses in the NBA last season. They were miserable. In fact, they were in the play-in last year, and so I don't want to act like they did something insane by just staying in this game with Miami. However, 13 of 27, like 27 shots, that's big time for his debut this season for Cade Cunningham. I really like what he brought. I thought Jalen Duran was awesome. 17, 14, four assists, four blocks. He was phenomenal. I thought that even Asar Thompson brought just a, like a lot of different things to the table that they needed. Uh, Killian Hayes being second in shot attempts was not exactly what I was hoping to see <laughs> from okay. Monty Williams <laughs> on night one. Um, but they looked pretty good. And Bogdanovich is not going to be out for the whole season. And so that when they get him back, I think he's going to help. They did play Joe Harris in this game. Uh, it was curious to me seeing Jaden Ivey only get 17 minutes to Killian Hayes' 31. That's a little perplexing to me. But it's really all about Cade Cunningham. We've seen with a team like the Thunder, who weren't a bottom three team most of their time when they were tanking. They weren't one of like the absolute worst teams in the league because they had a guy in Shea Gildas-Alexander. Is Cade Cunningham that level of player? Now, if we're looking for concerns, he didn't shoot one, didn't get to the free throw line one time. Didn't shoot one free throw in this game. That was a little unusual. But other than that, he looked like a star. 33 and 9, a steal, three turnovers. He was phenomenal. And if he can do that, he can help elevate guys like Duran, Beef Stew. Marvin Bagley played some some good minutes off the bench too. And then if they start getting their veterans back, I think Monty Morris is going to help quite a bit. Bogdanovich is going to help. Maybe they're not in the bottom of the league anymore. Yeah, I think with Cade, first of all, we should point out a, a friend of the show, Sam Vecini, put out a, a an extended uh, video today looking at Cade's performance in that first game. And uh, you, you kind of drew the comparison to Shea. Um, it's hard not to draw that comparison looking at some of the screenshots because similar to what Shea went through these last couple seasons as OKC, there's not very much spacing right now in Detroit. And so you'll get these screenshots where Cade has gotten into the paint and there are five Miami Heat players right there because they do not care mm-hmm. about anyone else on this there's team no and, yeah. and not worried at all. And for him to manage that and still score 30, like that's kind of what you saw from Shea these last couple of seasons where even despite the spacing, despite teams overloading on him, he was still able to get his points. I mean, that's really the true sign of a superstar. So that's got to make you feel good if you're a Pistons fan. The other thing I would mention is that at least for one night, it felt like they might have an identity, and it might be a defensive identity. Now, Mm -hmm. Monty Williams throughout that starting lineup, which, as you mentioned, you know, has Killian Hayes taking a decent amount of shots. Mm -hmm. Feels a little weird, okay? I don't know if I love it, but 
for a team, and this is true with like all bad teams, when, you, when you're bad, you're usually in the bottom 10 for both offense and defense. And the question as you make that turn is, like, which side are you going to be better at first? Which side is going yeah. to help you jump up in the standings? And at least for one night, you could begin to see the, the vision with the Pistons as kind of this like hard-nosed defensive team, then relying on Cade to kind of carry them offensively. And you yep. need that identity once you start making that turn as a bad team. So I do think that was that was exciting. The other piece of this has nothing to do with the Pistons, is just looking at the rest of the league, looking at the performances of teams like Washington, uh, Portland, Houston. Yeah, about that. And wondering, hmm, okay, well, maybe uh, maybe they aren't as bad as I thought they might be. So yeah, I am rethinking it a little bit, um, but I definitely want to see more. I think tonight's game, they're playing Charlotte. I think that's a big yeah. one. Because if they're going to yeah. make this turn, like whoever wins that game is kind of the team I'm going to be feeling better about in this early yeah. season stretch. Uh, so yeah. I actually think that's a kind of a big game for them. It's, it's a must-win game. Let's just it's a must honest. win. This, it's this must. is a must win for Detroit for this next era. Like, go get it, Detroit. Um, okay, take number three. The Toronto Raptors as a dysfunctional, bad vibes mess. <laughs> now, in the preseason, I think you and I had pretty significant doubts about Toronto. You know, whether it was the loss yeah. of Fred Van Vliet, the weird media day comments from Masai about Pascal, the impending free agencies for like half the roster. It just all felt very combustible. So then they have this opening night game. They're at home against a Minnesota team that many people are very high on. And, you know, the Raptors offense certainly didn't cause me to rethink anything. You know, the Raptors offense is going to be a work in progress. But defensively, they looked pretty terrifying. And maybe it was just getting tired of Nick Nurse last season, but it just felt like the Raptors kind of lost some of their identity last year, lost some of their mojo. I mean, you'd look at the roster and you'd be like, why is this not like one of the elite defensive teams in the league? And last night, like kind of across the board and man, I, you know, I kind of not making fun, but like looking at the drop off from Fred Van Vliet to Dennis Schroeder, it was like, wow, like they really screwed this up. On the other Mm -hmm. hand, like Schroeder does fit in kind of well with this version of the Raptors. And then you look at someone like Scotty Barnes, whose defense has been maligned over his first two seasons, and he didn't have a perfect game, but he was three steals away from a five by five. Andrew, we could have had a I game know. one five by five, which which that is been one so of exciting, which is one of our favorite stat lines because it is so incredibly rare and is such a cool yeah. thing to get. And he is definitely on the radar now. If you get that close, yeah. like now, I'm kind of feeling it. I'm kind of hoping we get a five by five, but I don't know. After that game. I'm thinking back to last week with our surprise team, and you know, Toronto just missed the cut because their over under yeah. was 36 and a half. If they had been 35 and a half, and we could have potentially picked them, I compare them to some of these other teams we were looking at. And like, I feel pretty confident that the Toronto Raptors have something. They have a defensive identity. Whereas these other teams, I'm kind of just hoping for it. And after game one, I don't know, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better about the Raptors overall. And shout out to their new coach because that was another piece of it that we just didn't know how that was going to play out. Those uh, the post game vibes in the locker room just looked incredible, and it yeah. seemed like that was the big thing that was missing last year. So yeah, I'm, I'm rethinking the, the Raptors a little bit. Yeah, I I am too. They they didn't even play well. They only shot forty percent from the field in yeah. that game. This is a very low scoring game. It was ninety seven ninety four, which is very unusual in this day and age but they can play better than that like scotty's gonna play better than that offensively og's gonna be better siakam was only five of 17 like we know that pascal siakam can be better than that so there there's a little bit of a ceiling here then you have gary trent jr coming off the bench uh you got grady dick who just barely played at all but you know it's fun there are fun vibes around the raptors again and i think that's only a good thing because when the Raptors are good, the NBA is more fun. So I'm I'm excited for this era of the Raptors. And then like on the other side, the Timberwolves were kind of a mess. Like it, there seemed to be a lot of agendas going on in Minnesota. So that's that's something to just uh, put a pin in a little bit. That's that was a little a little bit strange to me. All right, Andrew, what is our fourth take to cover this week? Our fourth take is. The Grizzlies as a lock for a playoff team. 
Mm. And I felt very confident about this. I felt overly confident about this. I thought they could still just be one of the best teams in the league. And then we hear about the Steven Adams injury. And I watched them. And obviously, Steven's a big player to miss. I think he was going to give them some stability offensively and defensively. He makes them a good rebounding team on his own. And with him gone, they are a abysmal rebounding team. They are going to really struggle. Xavier Tillman had 12 rebounds in his in, in his first debut here this season. That's great. But, man, there's nobody else that's a good rebounder. Jaron Jackson Jr., notable bad rebounder. I mean, they're starting Zaire Williams, who's not a good rebounder either. Uh, Marcus Smart, who you think should grab rebounds, had zero in game one. And then their bench, I don't know, Al. Their bench is rough. Laravia, David Roddy, Derek Rose. I, I like some of those players individually, but, man, they played a short bench. And those guys, Luke Kennard, who is going to be kind of a big player off the bench for them, he missed all five of his shots. He's out uh, with a, in a concussion protocol now. It's going to be a really rough start to the season. I think they may be forced to make a deal for somebody. Um, I, I find it curious. I think that John Conchar will probably play because Luke Kennard's out. I found it a little curious that he didn't play at all in the first game. But they, they have no depth. They're losing some of their most important players. Jaws sideline for 25 games. A lot of this is going to be on Desmond Bain, who played really good. You know, He had 31 points on 22 shots, five boards, five assists, two steals, and a block. He was really good. But then beyond that, Jaron Jackson was not very good in that first game against the Pelicans. Got dunked on big time by Zion. And then their bench is is not there. There's just not a whole lot going on with this team. And they just don't have any guys that can handle the basketball as a primary handler. Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain, they can handle. But those are their two best ball handlers. Yeah, it's It is a rough position with the rebounding, with the ball handlers and the depth. This could be a team fighting for the play-in and with how stacked the Western Conference is, if they don't get it together or if they don't make some trades to fortify their front line, they may not make the playoffs at all because somebody's going to be left out at the end of the day that is good and that wanted to be there. And if Memphis can't get it together, this could be the team. Now, when Jaw comes back, I think they'll stabilize some. They'll be electric. But until then, I mean, they, 25 games is a lot of games. And if you're way behind the eight ball because of injuries and depth, we could be looking at a pretty rough situation for Memphis. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why you, you were positive about this team, even with the injuries, is that they had shown themselves to be so resilient in the past. Yeah. Um, but man, looking at that rotation from night one and just kind of realizing the toll that all of these injuries or suspensions have taken. I mean, they're missing their starting point guard, their starting yep. center, their best player off the bench. And at some point, there there has to be a breaking point. And yes, it's only one game, and it wasn't like they got blown out or anything. But just looking at that rotation, it just feels like this is going to be a long 25 games if, if the roster stays as it currently looks. Um, we're going to talk to Danny Morang later. You know, maybe uh, Time Lord is a potential trade target for them down the road at some yeah. point because um, mm-hmm. they need someone like that. I mean, watching Triple J have to guard Jonas Valanciunas in the post, who, you know, when people talk about, you know, we're always talking about Chet and how Chet's so skinny and, we're, and everyone's worried about like Jokic and Embiid. Like the secret guy I'm worried about is Jonas Valanciunas because when he gets matched yeah. up on smaller dudes, he just eats. And so maybe that was just a really bad matchup and they're going to bounce back and they're going to look better. They'll get some more um, contributions from that bench. You know, like we expect Luke Kennard to just be a solid player. I mean, he, he had a bad yeah, game. He should be better. But at the same time, looking at that roster and that rotation, it just looks so thin to even what we saw last year when when they were struggling with injuries. And so... Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm rethinking it yet. I, I want to see a few more games to see see how they play, but yeah, it, it, it didn't look good. Even even yeah. though it it wasn't like they were awful, they didn't get blown out or anything. But it just yeah. it seemed to uh, 
to suggest bad things coming. Yeah, I'm I'm on the edge of rethinking this one. This one step closer to the edge. Yep, I'm about to. Break. Uh, fifth take. The juicy one, Andrew. The Wizards as a team full of capable veterans. This is something we told you a week ago. Hey, look at this team. Here's a reason to pick them as a surprise team. Look at all these vets. Just They got vets coming out of the woodwork. We named like eight guys who were like, yeah, we feel pretty good about all these guys as NBA rotation players. And, uh, you know, we mentioned that the, the Grizzlies lost, but it wasn't like it was a blowout. Well, this game, the Wizards let the Indiana Pacers score 143 points. Yeah, they did. And uh, their defense, at least for one game, was well, it was the worst in the league, uh, according yeah. to Cleaning the Glass. It was yeah. terrible. And it bad. did make me start rethinking, like, oh, maybe this is just the worst team in the league, <laughs> and maybe we should have <laughs> locked their under, actually. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, however... Like Indy's going to be one of the more high-powered offenses in the league. It's true. It's true. They and were so, running. They they were awesome. They shot fifty-two percent from the field, forty-six percent from three, ninety-one percent from the line. They were fifty, forty, ninety as a team. Um, and it's not like the it's not like the Wizards weren't just like helping them with that. I think they were. I think they were helping them with that. But I mean, the Pacers hit twenty threes. In this first game, they were yeah. twenty of of forty three. I mean that that is a lot of threes, and so I'd like to see the Wizards in a few more games before I just throw it out because I still look at the roster. I'm like, you know what? I still do kind of like a lot of the guys that are on this team. <laughs> now will it come together? And and here's the thing: like I'm ask what I'm asking of them. All is I'm to be asking. Below, all I'm asking Al is for them to be below five hundred. Like I'm not asking for them to be actually good. That's true. You know, That's true. So they just need to be not the worst team in the league. They they need to not be this abysmal. To so you're uh, saying you're saying season. throw that game out. Let's forget you know about what? it. I'm just wiping it wiping it from my brain. Great. Um, from my big dumb brain and just hoping <laughs> that maybe things come together for them because I still do like a lot of the players that are on this team, but um, you know. We're probably heading for a disastrous season where they get a top five pick in the draft. It's probably more likely where we're headed. Now, Andrew, before we go to our guest, there actually is a bonus take uh, I wanted okay. to present to you. Right. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. as a player who has a 0% chance of making the Hall of Fame. Are you sticking with that or have you? Uh, are you rethinking it based on last night's game? <laughs> you've ne- you've never mean, been a fan of Tsunami Poppy. You've never joined Uber, the, the Uber fan club with up me. up at a loss. It felt too familiar. Felt oh, too familiar. Man. Some of the shots he was taking were legitimately crazy. They were. Like I, they were. He, he looked amazing. He I, looked I great. hope. I he, hope it continues. He's a lot of fun, and they played him a lot. You know, they, and they need scoring. Is is where the Sixers are right now. Is like they certainly need scoring. They need scoring off the bench, for sure. Just because they have these dead parts of their roster, like PJ Tucker, like, just zero points in 26 minutes, and like that's not going to be an uncommon thing for him. And then you look at who else is off the bench. Like Pat Bev is not a scorer. Jaden Springer is not ready yet. Paul Reed's not a scorer. Danny Green's not a scorer. So like, where where are the points coming from exactly? Tsunami Poppy. Tell you, Tsunami Poppy is going to get <laughs> those points. Uh, however, Hall of Fame, no. Uh, do no, you think but I so right I'm, I'm on his basketball reference page his Hall of Fame probability is currently 0.0% by the yep. end of the year do you think we can get to 0.1 uh, no I think that oh, it may okay. even go negative we may what? even go negative here no but, yeah yeah I don't believe that I don't let's he go might, let's go might, for point 0.1 he might be in the Hall of Shame uh, alright we will take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about the Blazers Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. All right, Andrew, it is time for our guest this week on the Wheel of Fandom. We spun the wheel and we landed on the Blazers for the second straight year in a row. The Blazers were the team we landed on for the first week of the season. (laughs) It's actually kind of nice because it was very easy to come up with questions about this Mm. team. Uh, and our guest today is Danny Morang, host of the Jack Ramsey's podcast, available on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find Danny's writing on the Jack Ramsey's Patreon page. Mm-hmm. And if you're driving around Portland, why not tune into 1080 The Fan, Danny and Dusty, <laughs> noon to three, Monday through Friday. Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, no problem, guys. I love, I love having with you guys. It's fun. Well, let's let's jump into, before we jump into the current Blazers, let's start with an old Blazer. Damian Lillard played his oh, first game for oh, that Milwaukee. Guy. Yeah, you that remember guy. that guy? Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He played his first game for the for the Bucks last night, mm-hmm. scoring 14 straight in the fourth to help the Bucks beat the Sixers. As someone who has covered Dame since mm-hmm. he came into the league, what was the experience like seeing Dame time happen in another jersey? I've seen a lot of Blazers fans on social media uh over the last 15 or so hours trying to like go through stuff. I was just happy. Like I was, I was, I, I was like a kid in a candy store. Like I, I've, I've always just wanted to see him play with a dude. Like he had, yeah. he had that for three years with Lamarcus, where you had like a legitimate All NBA yeah. teammate, and then he didn't for eight years. And I think as NBA fans, we got robbed. And I think you're going to see this year, like I, I when he made the top seventy five list, I remember people going, "Well, should he really be there?" I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, he should wait till you see what he looks like with a guy like Giannis. And like, they don't even have the it figured it out yet. Um, I was texting with him this morning and I, I said, couldn't even get a 50 piece. Huh? And he said, uh, yeah, yeah. If I could hit a damn three. So he's, yeah. he's, he's in prime form already. Um, 
like it's very fun watching Milwaukee fans like oh my god this guy can do this and I'm like yeah we watched that every night for you know 11 years and um I'm more than happy to 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 share him so to speak with Milwaukee uh it's kind of a kindred spirit franchise as it were um I enjoyed it and uh, I I can't wait until they figure the it out between Giannis and Dame and kind of how things work and how they optimize it uh I think it's gonna it's gonna fundamentally break teams because you're you you saw them last night running pick and rolls at 30 feet and they didn't know what to do. And it, when your choices are, do I go up to Dame at 30 feet? Do I go with Giannis four on three in the middle of the floor? Or do I stick tight to Chris on one corner or Brooke in the other? Like you're, you're asking yourself, like, how do I want to get beaten? Like that's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not, it's not a fun question because you're going to get beat hard. It's just a matter of like, can you get a stop and then can you capitalize on the other end? It's like, I know we, 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 we overanalyze this stuff so much, but I, I don't think there's a good way to really play this team yet. So it's, it's going to be, whoever figures it out is a lot smarter than I am. (laughs) So, uh, moving back to the Blazers, they started their post game era with a 123 <laughs> to 111 loss wasn't to the that, Clippers. Wasn't that in close? LA. Uh, yeah, it wasn't that close. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't uh, that close. Now, the game was notable for being Scoot mm. Henderson's first professional game. He finished with 11 3 and 4 in 36 minutes. I know that you have been trying to temper fan expectations about Scoot all offseason. Yes. But what are your thoughts about how Portland? should go about developing this type of player, a guy who was billed as this dynamic lead ball handler. Well, game one, he, he look, the, I, I'm going to say this with the, the nicest way that I can. He was an abject disaster in the first half. He like yeah. was completely and totally unplayable, which is fine. He's 19 years old playing against his idol in Russell Westbrook. Have you guys mm-hmm. seen the picture? Yeah, of him grinning <laughs> from ear to ear as Russ is dunking? Yeah, he's before the game, Scoot said, uh, you know, um, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about, you know, this game and it's just another game. I prepared myself for this and I'm not really hyped to play Russ. And then you see that picture and it's like, somebody's lying. It's yep. like, but also it's cool. <laughs> like, yes, we want to see that have fun. Um, but he was very bad and that's to be expected. Um, through the preseason, this is I was why I was kind of tampering expectations so much. He wasn't really able to do much against first units for Phoenix and Utah. Um, the two teams that Portland played in the, in the, in the preseason. And he, like, if you looked at his box scores, I think he had like a 24 and four game and people were like, Oh, look. And I'm like, yeah, he did that against like the 10th through 16th guys on the roster. That's where that Mm -hmm. came from. Um, And you saw that happen over and over. And then against the Clippers, he threw three quarters. He had two, two points, a rebound and an assist finished with 11, four and three, because he racked up nine, three and what one like nine, nine, three and two. Yeah. in the final eight minutes against the ninth through 14th guys on the Clippers roster, mm-hmm. um, which again, step up from the G league. That's good. Like that's, you know, that's kind of, that's the growth you want to see. So see a guy go from playing G league and, and like, look, as good as Scoot is and as much as he profiles as a, as a high, you know, high level player, he had like subpar shooting splits in the G league. So like, those are things that they're going to figure out. He's not going to come in the league and just, crush the place as a shooter or as even as a scorer. So you're going to see the Blazers really try to put in a position to succeed. You're going to see them run the offense through Anthony Simons and the under Aiden and Aiden had a rough, rough start for the, for his, mm-hmm. for this Blazers era. That's for sure. Um, but they're going to run things through Anthony Simons and that's to make life easier for Scoot. And I, I vehemently agree with that process because watching Scoot play, he's not ready to run the team. Um, yeah, I, I want to see them get through about 12, 15 games to see if he can continue to start. And if this was just like terrifying first game against the Clippers, against Westbrook, like all of the things kind of coming together at once. I'm really excited to see him tonight against Orlando, who like Markel Fultz, good defender, Jalen Suggs, good defender, not Paul George, not Kawhi Leonard, not Robert Covington and not Ty Lue, who's like, let's make this rookie's life a living hell uh, right. on opening night because, you, you know, they did and they should. Um, but let's see if he looks a little bit better tonight at home in Portland. Um, but if we get to 12, 15 games and he's still really struggling, I wouldn't be opposed to them flopping the lineups, uh, swapping sharp to the starting lineup, putting scoot on the bench with, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I want to see ant with one of the rookies or one of the young guys and Brogdon with one of the young guys, always mm-hmm. having somebody to kind of lean on. Everybody's like, they need to start ant or uh, scoot and Shea. And I'm just sitting there going, please God, no. 
please, please know we do not want to set these guys up for failure. Let them have something to lean on. So I think it's get through the first 12, 15 games and let's see what Scoot's got then. You mentioned uh, Anthony Simons. You know, he's still only 24, which is so crazy. He's entering yeah. his sixth season in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, given how bad this team may be this season, he feels like a prime candidate for most underrated player in the league. Yeah. For people who aren't going to watch a lot of Blazers this year, what do you think is the biggest misconception about Ant's game? Uh, that he's soft and doesn't like doesn't play any defense at all. There's the the EPM stats and the DRPM stuff. It's like that makes him look like one of the worst defenders in the league. I never mm-hmm. thought he was that bad. Uh, I've plenty of stuff that he needs to work on for sure. Um, but also that he's just a shooter. Um, yeah, he's not just a shooter. Number one, he's probably one of the five best shooters in the league. Off the bounce, catch and shoot. He's absolutely disgusting. Um, he's got Dame-like range out to 30, 30 feet where it's just a flick of the wrist. Um, but I think people also forget because it was COVID year, he was a slam dunk champion. And I'm not saying that is like this big thing to tout. It's his athleticism. He's yeah. insanely bouncy. Um, the thing about him has been like, can he figure this out? Is his free throw rate has been incredibly poor. Um, mm. he, he has a floater package, unlike pretty much any guard in the league. I don't know if you guys remember last year against the Suns early on, uh, yeah. he hit a game winning running over sky bridges. hook over Mikhail bridges. His yeah. in between game is filthy. Um, but I want to see him get to the lane and, and, and you start generating free throws, finishing at the rim against the Clippers. Um, he ended up drawing free throws, but he drove and he went off two and turned his wrist over and he was going to try to dunk on Zubats. And it was like, oh, okay, we're, we're, you're going to be that guy. You're going to use your athleticism. Uh, Phil Beckner's his trainer. It's the same trainer's Dame. Um, and he's talking to him back and forth. He's talked about how Ant over the last couple of years has really changed his game as far as like putting time into being more physical on the ball, show, like showing that strength uh, offensively and defensively, and then uh, working on his change of pace. Because when he was a driver, it was one gear. His ability mm-hmm. to kind of change speeds in between. And he showed that right away against the Clippers. Last year, he averaged about eight, eight and a half drives a game uh, in 26 minutes against the Clippers because they, they kind of screwed the rotations. And then it got, I think I got down 30. Uh, Ant had 12 drives. And almost all of his drives were either led to points or led to good creation opportunities. And I think that's the thing because he's going to have that number one billing. He's going to have kind of the Dame role. Uh, you're going to see him probably average like 25 and six, 25 and seven. He's going to put up monster numbers. It's going to be how efficient can he be? Can he get to the free throw line? Can he, you know, kind of bolster that without having to take quite as many shots in the mid range? So it's, it's going to be fun. And when you're going to look at the, the box score, you're going to look at NBA.com or whatever stat site you use. And you're going to see Anthony Simons is like a top 15, top 18 score. And you're going to go, Oh, that's, that's that's weird. And then you're gonna look at his yeah. percentages and go, you're you're gonna see him at like, you know, 47, 40, 90, and go, oh, good lord, he's shooting the hell out of the ball. So he's also gonna be on a team that's gonna win 25 games. So <laughs> you kind of <laughs> ah, figure that out. <laughs> uh, the other recent high draft pick on the team is Shaden Sharp. Showed some really big flashes in his rookie season. But what do you think he needs to improve most on, and where is like where his where's his room for development this season? I've seen a lot of people here say that, that he should start. I don't think he should start, and it's not a shot at him. I just don't think if a starting lineup of Anthony Simons, uh, Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, Jeremy Grant, DeAndre Ayton, there's not enough ball to go around. And they tried mm-hmm. it in the preseason, and Shave just looked lost. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this isn't good. But when he's out there with Malcolm Brogdon, with the bench unit. He's basically 1B to Malcolm, and that's a good spot for him to be because the defense isn't shifting the the attention to him specifically quite yet. His handle's not quite there. Um, When he catches on the move, he's disgusting. There's just, I mean, you guys have seen the bounce the kid has. It's it's yeah. in it, it's elevator bounce in a box. Like it, he doesn't need a runway. It's one step, and he's at 42 inches. Um, against the Clippers, he had two putback dunks, which I thought was interesting. Is if he's going to be kind of an offensive rebounder, uh, they're going to be bad. So might as well chase some offensive rebounds. And if he's got like a little bit of extra juice there, I think it's something worth exploring. Um, his catch and shoot stuff. Shot really poor at Summer League. He was one of six or one of seven opening night against the Clippers from three. I don't really worry about that because his catch and shoot is pretty much 
cut and paste. It's very simple, very repeatable. Uh, I think it's just more of a, you know, kind of being better prepared for shots. But for him, it's 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 about game flow, being more intelligent. And he's already, he's already, I know it's only one game, but in the first game, he looked like he belonged, which last year there were times where you're like, eh, I don't know if mentally he's quite there yet. Now it looks like he understands the processing. And I think that's the big thing. Cause I think people tend to forget that this is a, this isn't a guy that went to the G league. This is a guy who right, sat yeah. in Kentucky for a year who yeah. went from playing EYBL competition to NBA. Like the jump that he's <laughs> making is like, is it's insane. It's even more than what scoot went through. So there's going to be some catch up, but like you start seeing things and it's going to be interesting to see if he's, if he's more wing or if he's more like one, two, as far as like positioning, like can he, does he have the on ball juice? Because the handle's not quite there yet. He wants to kind of, it's, it's kind of interesting. He, his game, and I know this is so Portland centric, but his game kind of reminds me a little bit of Brandon Roy, where when he catches, he hmm. really wants to go into that triple threat, jab, hmm. poke, step yeah. over, spin out. And it's like, cool, but also you can't really do that anymore unless you're the guy. And yeah. he's probably like fourth or fifth on the pecking order right now so Mm -hmm. with that bench unit you might be able to see him do that but it's like i want to see can he number one like is are they going to allow him to kind of do that are they going to allow him to be on ball and be a little more creative and then kind of figure things out from there because tools wise he's got a lot man he's super strong he knows how to use his body and then on the defensive side of the ball it's like just keep learning man like if he's going to be an offensive guy who is a 20 point a game guy let's see if he goes down the wiggins path and like he can be like guard Wiggins on the defensive side, where he's like he's he's a plus defender because his strength, his athleticism, his IQ allows him to cut off angles and kind of body guys up, and not necessarily be a stopper, but be like a high level point of attack guy that can that you can rely on, not needing to send a ton of help to. So we we covered uh, you know a lot of the main young guys, but fans mm-hmm. of other teams seem to already be circling Portland like vultures, wondering which other <laughs> vets they can pick off. Mm-hmm. What are your expectations for how Portland will handle the trade market this season? Like, are there any players that you would be completely surprised if they finish the season in Portland? Honestly, a month ago, I would have said yes. Now the answer is no. Really, um, just talking to people in the organization, I don't think. They're in any hurry to move Brogdon, Time Lord, or Grant. Um, okay. I very strongly believe they value them as veterans and having their presence in the locker room because this team, even with those guys, is the youngest average age in the league. They are under 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Like they are dumb young. They need vets and they do not want to be a process Sixers team. They don't want to just have nothing but kids out there. They want adults in the room to teach Scoot how to like, they're very much looking at Ant as a guy to like be a leader. Like he's the guy who uh, they had their fan fest, which is like their, their preseason scrimmage. He was the guy on the microphone that, and the, there's a bit of a hazing thing here in Portland where they make the rookie sing to the crowd. And that's the MC of that event is usually kind of like the guy on the team. And they had Ant doing that. Um, The other thing they do to rookies here is they make them carry around a a kid's backpack all year long. Mm -hmm. And and that's usually filled with all the the road treats uh, for the bus and the plane. And Ant brought those out and handed those out. So, like, they're trying to make him kind of be the, I think, the immediate leader of the team. But, again, like you said, 24 years old. Like, the Ant's still a baby. Uh, Yeah. two, three years from his prime. Um, Jeremy's 29. He just had a kid. Um, I think they just, number one, Jeremy's vibes are are immaculate always. So he's just a good vibes guy to have. And the organization is definitely looking at him as, as probably being more of a dude too. He got uh, Dame's locker, which in Portland, like that spot locker is a very hmm. prestigious locker. Um, they gave Ant the LaMarcus Aldridge, Scotty Pippen locker. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, you're understanding kind of pecking order uh, mm-hmm. within, the, within the team. And then uh, Malcolm Brogdon got one of the corner lockers as well. So you can kind of see how they're looking at things. And I thought they would, t- they would look to flip Brog pretty quickly, but apparently he's, he's, he's down for the plan. Like if it means like he's going to play 20 minutes a night, okay. If he means he's playing 30 minutes a night, okay. He's saying and doing all the right things right now. Now the Blazers could be trying to, you know, show that the the elbow was an older uh, UCL injury is gone and showcasing him and maybe trying to pump up his value. Mm-hmm. 
That's that's always in the back of my head. But I don't think they're in a hurry to move anybody. Now, if Memphis comes over the top and says, here's two firsts and Brandon Clark for uh, Time Lord, I bet you they start listening. But um, I don't think, unless they get blown away by an offer, I don't think they're in a hurry to make any real moves. That's really interesting. Uh, well, Danny, thank you for answering all of our Blazers questions. It is now time to play Andrew versus the Beat, our weekly trivia show where Andrew goes head-to-head against a beat writer. And this week, it's Danny Meringue. So, Danny, I've come up with eight Portland Trailblazers questions. Uh, some are easy, some are hard. One is very hard. Uh, so you're going to choose uh, a number between one and eight, and that will correspond to a question. If you get it right, you'll get two points. If you get it wrong, Andrew will have a chance to steal. And we'll go back and forth until mm-hmm. all the questions have been asked and answered. So where would you like to start? Uh, what number go. brings you good luck? Let's go, Brandon Roy. Let's go seven. Question number seven. Well, that was unfortunately the hardest question. Hey! <laughs> it's fitting with Brandon's knees. All right. Okay. Scoot Henderson was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, but he was not the number one ranked point guard in his class, according to 24-7 Sports. The number one ranked point guard was this player who was drafted in the 2022 NBA draft and is no longer with the team who drafted him. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. Who would that be? God, those COVID rankings were so dumb. <laughs> oh, man. No. Who's a point guard is already not or not with their team last year? Somebody could have been the number one ranked point guard in his class. Wow, I don't know. Can't know. Trying to think of high school point guards that fell. No, thinking of other point guards that fell off, and they're all like twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. I don't know. It's okay. I, like I said, I, I, I don't even have a good guess. <laughs> the the other ones are much easier. Andrew, do you have a guess? It's not Ty Ty Washington, is it? It is not. It is Kennedy Chandler. Oh my God. He was the number really? one point guard really? last. Drafted by Memphis, no longer in the league, as far as I know. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. Ty Ty was the like, only guy I could think of that. Yeah, that's a good guess. See, I I had Ty Ty in my head as 2021, so I would have still screwed it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, the board is yours. Let's go number one. Question number one. Damian Lillard played 11 seasons with the Portland Trailblazers. He led the Blazers in total assists in every season except one. Who was the only other player to lead the Blazers in assists during those 11 seasons? Oh, my gosh. I don't remember how much or if they did overlap very much. Did he and Andre Miller overlap? That name just like hits my brain. I don't know if they overlapped at all, though. I'm just going to say Andre Miller. That is incorrect. I'm Danny, do you know the answer? I he he led the team in assists all the way up through his career, except for the injury year. That's the mm-hmm. one, and I just don't know. Oh boy! And I don't don't I don't know if it's is it Anthony? That is correct. There you no. go. Yeah. And even then, it was 221 it was, to 212. Just, yeah, it's stupid <laughs> close. I knew it was close. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So, Danny, you got a point, and you now have control of the board. All right. Let's go number five. Question number five. Now that Dame is in Milwaukee, other Blazers players can finally start trying to catch Dame and his franchise record 2,387 three-pointers. Who are the other Blazers players in the franchise's top 10 for three-pointers made? So how this works, Daniel, give me a name, <laughs> oh, no. and Andrew will give me a name, and we'll go back and forth until one of you stumbles. So Wes top Matthews. 10, Wes Matthews, number three, Andrew. Uh, CJ McCollum? Number two. I should have Damn. taken that one just to make it harder. How close up are we now? Uh, should I grab one of the bottom ones? He's uh, toying with me here. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember the back end of this because I remember. Uh, God, how far back does that go? Terry should still be there. Terry Porter. He is number four. Yeah. Wow. Andrew? What about Simons? Andrew? 
That is correct. Ah, is number I was, seven. I was hoping you wouldn't get that one. Uh, let's see. Like it's, the modern era guys are always the ones that like you can throw in there. You know, because it uh, well, takes so many more than everybody else. He might have gotten pushed out, and this is risky. Uh, Rudy Fernandez. Rudy Fernandez? Danny? That is incorrect. Ah! The other names. Nick Batum? Damon uh, Spottemeyer. Why didn't I go with Nick? Steve Blake, Cliff Robinson, and Clyde Drexler as number 10. Oh, man. Cliff. Mm. All right. We have a tie game. Andrew, you have control of the board. Uh, number two. Question number two. Who on the Blazers' current roster has played in the most playoff games? Who on the current Blazers' roster has played in the most playoff games? In their career. There's oh only, boy, there's only two answers here, and it's soup. No, it's not. It's not that close. I'm gonna go. Oh no 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 no! Don't oh, answer. I know, I know I know I know I've got I've got the, I've got it in my head. Okay. Think, yeah. Um. What are you gonna say, Andrew? Gosh, some Most of these guys have been hurt. Hmm. Interesting. Um. Is it Aiden? Andrew. That is incorrect. It is not DeAndre Ayton. Danny, do you have a guess? That was what I had it down to is one of two. So it's either him or because Jeremy only got a couple games with OKC in Denver. Malcolm Pacers. Is it Time Lord? It is Time Lord. There you go. Oh, okay. man. Even with yeah. him being injured, he still yeah. played the most. Yeah. They, they yeah. were in the playoffs every single year with him. Yeah, he had 37 yeah. just in the last two seasons. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, Danny, you're up two to one, and you have control of the board. All right, let's go three. All right. This one, you get to choose who answers first. You can answer mm. first and make Andrew go higher or lower, or you can make Andrew answer first. However, if he gets it exactly right, he does get a bonus point. Question Ooh. is, what is Matisse Thibel's career high in points <laughs> for a single game? <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you take the shot on this one, Andrew. This could be risky. Tyvel's career oh, high yeah. um, seventeen. Seventeen. Okay, that is the bar. Danny, would you like to go higher or lower? Going higher. Correct answer. Twenty. Damn. Yay! Oh, I was I was going to go with twenty two, so I'm glad I didn't price is right, price is right this. <laughs> All right, uh, Danny, you're now four to one. Andrew, you have oh. to have a massive comeback here oh. to win. All right, number four. Okay, which of the following is not an official basketball reference nickname <laughs> for one of the current Blazers? Okay, I'm going to give you Ooh. five nicknames. Okay. Four of them appear on basketball reference. One does not. Okay. Starting with Mookie Doo, Legoland, Boo Butt, The Distributor, sorry, The Disruptor, and Tiger. So once again, that's Mookie Doo, Legoland, Boo Butt, The Disruptor, and Tiger. Only one of oh those is gosh. not real. I'll say The Disruptor. The Disruptor, unfortunately, like that unfortunately, is a that's okay. for Matisse Thibault. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> that, uh, that, that was the only one that I recognized. <laughs> oh, really? I thought that was like the lamest one when I saw it. Uh, I didn't okay, see. That's why I thought it maybe it was fake. Cause like that, that could be a nickname for like almost anybody. Like, it, like obviously it's one for him, but it's like, that's so lame. Uh, so Danny, your, your remaining options, Mookie do Legoland, boo, Butt, or tiger. Legoland. I'm, gonna, I'm going boo, Butt. boo, Butt is a nickname for time. Lord. No Boo-Butt. kidding. Robert Boo-Butt. Williams. Uh, the wow. made up one. Which shout out to user Otto Ingrato from the SyracuseFan.com message boards in 2011. <laughs> he suggested Legoland for Jeremy Grant's nickname way back then. Interesting. Legoland. Who is Mookie Do? Uh, that is Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Never heard that before. You, do you know Tiger that one, Danny? I knew it was one of these guys because I heard somebody say it at Media Day. Oh, but okay. I, didn't know, I didn't know who Mookie it was. Do. That's funny. Um, the the okay, disruptor was the only one who I knew whose it was. Uh, 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 let's go eight. Question number eight. The last time Portland played a season without Damian Lillard 
Who led the team in assists? Oh, God. It's one of two people. God dang it. Uh, he's still around. Steve Blake. That is incorrect. Ah! Your comeback could start right here. So the year the before. Mm-hmm. The year before. He was in the league. Yeah. Who led the Blazers in assists? Was this was this thick daddy Ray Felton? You know it, Ray yeah. Felton. <laughs> For one point. God, that's right. That was, that was the mutiny year. Uh. <laughs> okay, Andrew, this is big news because it is now four to two. Two questions Woo. left. If you get this Woo. next question right, it would be a tie game going into the final question. Do we not do number five yet? Uh, I thought I remember yes, hearing Danny yeah. say five. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, my gosh. It's the final question. There you go. Oh, that's Andrew. What that's what I thought. Oh, this is, this is huge. Okay, if you get this right, game will be tied. The pick oh, that was used... To draft Damian Lillard was famously acquired in a trade with the New Jersey Nets and Billy King, who thought there were only three surefire picks in that year's draft. The pick wasn't all the Blazers got, however. Can you name one of the two players that were sent to Portland in that trade? So this is, of course, the uh, Gerald Wallace trade. Gerald Wallace going to the New Jersey Nets. Who did the Blazers get back? They got back a pick and they got back two players. Oh my gosh. It's been so long since I've even <laughs> thought about this. Oh my gosh. One of my all-time favorite traits because of it's Billy a great King's trade. It's a great story. Um also because if you look it up, apparently the three surefire picks he thought were Anthony Davis, okay. Uh Michael yeah. Kidd Gilchrist and Thomas Oof. Robinson. Oof. Surefire. Mm. I don't know that I know this, Al. Oh no, Andrew! Are you are you forfeiting the week? Are you giving up? No, 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 no! I'm not. Um, mm. I don't want to. I don't want to because I. All I've got is a guess because I just remember the pick <laughs> because it was pretty important. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, because it was all about the pick. Mm-hmm. Or was it? Um, I don't. I just don't know that I know this. Well, Andrew, uh, what, Danny, do you have a guess? Did you have a guess? Was Pavlovich a part of that? He was not. So the name I don't think you would have ever gotten was Sean Williams. But the other name. Oh, God. Sean Williams. A fantasy legend back in the day because he was one of the few bigs who could hit threes. Mehmet Okur was in that Oh, that's right. They waved him immediately. I have no Uh, memory of that whatsoever. (laughs) None. But but that means that Danny... You totally win the week. Up. Four to two. Congratulations. I need to find Any a Memo Coor Blazers jersey. My goodness. Oh, yeah. That's 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 <laughs> like the Rasheed Wallace Hawks jersey right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. God. Does it exist? You know what does, does exist? It ex- uh, hmm. Brogdon came to Portland and immediately took number 92. And there were, I, there were a few Brogdon 92 jerseys I saw out in the wild. Wow! He didn't take eleven because Kevin Knox was currently wearing it, and apparently, oh. instead of giving Knox cutting off a little bit of money for him, he just waited till Knox got waived and then <laughs> took the eleven. So you can find a Malcolm Brogdon 92, 92 jersey out there. Oh, uh, that's Brogdon. nice. Very smart negotiator. <laughs> yeah, you go, just, just wait him out. <laughs> just wait him out, man. Why spend money? That's a, a smart man. It's a veteran move. I know you're not gonna be around. Uh, shout out to Danny for joining the show. Go check out the Jacked Ramsey's podcast wherever you get your podcast. Hey, go hit subscribe on the YouTube channel for Indeed. Danny. Danny, thanks so much, man. Hey, anytime, guys. All right, Andrews, that was Blazers week. We love starting off the season with the Blazers. It's a yeah. yearly tradition now. It is. It's become a random, literally a random tradition. Uh, so that means we have 29 teams to potentially choose from for week two of the NBA season. We're going to spin this digital wheel and see where we land. Spinning the wheel, who will be our team this week? Could be anyone. And it's going to be the Atlanta Hawks. (laughs) All right, the Atlanta Hawks. How are you feeling about that, Andrew? I feel... I I have no feeling about that. I am like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't feel a thing about it. Um, uh, so I, let's let's see. They're going to be playing uh, New York. Okay, the Knicks. 
Yeah, at, that's at least a fun one. That's a fun matchup. At the Bucks, we'll get to see Dame again. Yeah. And back to back against Minnesota. That's a really tough three game stretch there. That's tough. And then Wednesday, your Washington Wizards, Andrew. Hey, at home. that's a big one. That's going to be a big matchup. Uh, yeah, no, it's the Hawks are fascinating in that they're in the middle and that they're they're going to have to make a decision on some stuff. And so I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to hear more about the John Collins uh, trade. I think that's kind of weird. Trey Young's position in the take league. Over, please. Yeah, there's there's certainly like a lot of things in flux for Atlanta, and this season is kind of important for them to decide where they're at. So yeah, I'm excited. I will say this. Now that I've talked myself into it, I'm excited mm. to learn about it, the Atlanta Hawks a little bit more because they have been a team that I and most of the NBA community, unless you're a Hawks fan, have mostly just ignored. So I'm actually a little bit pumped for it now. Uh, okay. Caw-caw. Yeah. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read it on the show. Uh, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. Uh, enjoy the weekend of basketball, and we will talk to you guys again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.